Let's podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. I'm Dan Schrader. I'm in Portland, Oregon. I'm back. I, uh, I went for a run a few weeks ago. Uh, turned into a bit of a walkabout. Uh, the typical walkabout, you, you depart a boy, you walk about, you come back a man. <laughs> I left a man, uh, went on my walkabout, came back a broken man. Uh, and that was the transformation I went through. But I'm back. Uh, and I'm really happy to be potting again. I need Looking to know great, more. Are you, are you okay? You look fantastic. Yeah, whatever a broken man means internally, externally, you look like a, a man reborn. <laughs> I, I'm, it's, the, the rebirth is when you stop caring and you let your, literally let your hair down uh, <laughs> and you just, you let it fly. Love it. That is the transformation. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I went for this run and uh, it was supposed to be a long run. I'm trying to train for a marathon, which for a big boy like yourself is, is a, an effort supposed to be a long run. I decided to go on this kind of commuter path that I hadn't been down, but it was long. It went for a long time. I wasn't going to have to fight cars and stuff. I was like, great, let's go down this commuter path. I'll just go down halfway, turn around, come back. That'll be my long run. Turns out about a third of the way out, it started to get real hilly, like really Ooh. like oh, mm. hilly enough that the old folks were going down the hills backwards because <laughs> they were so steep. Like it was too dangerous for old folks to walk forwards down these hills. Who made this path? I yeah, I, don't, I mean, it was there are a lot of paths around me where the like high power uh cables, the high power lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the path is under that. Yeah. Just like opportunistically, so that's what this was. Um and so I started running these hills on p- part of my long run and it just blew my legs up. And then I was, I just had decided that this was an out and back, which meant that the fastest way to get back home was like, I couldn't bail out. I had to go back. I had to run uh, backwards. So I just, so it was rough. It was a poor decision. Oh. Uh, and, uh, and that's what happened. But I, I'm home. It's taken me a few weeks, but I've recovered and I, you know, let my hair down. So here we are. Love it. You're stronger yeah. for it. Uh, maybe or broken, stronger <laughs> or broken. <laughs> Ryan Palmer is in Portland. Yeah, big big Sunday uh, planned. I currently I will be slightly distracted on this pod. I'm I'm watching uh, Man City batter uh, a, a Ryan Mason led Spurs team um, in the Carabao Cup final. Zero uh, zero, perfect game so far. I said if they made it to half zero zero, it would be a win for Spurs. So we've already won. Um, and uh, after this, I'm gonna go buy a car. So. It's a really big Sunday. Big things. Big, big things. things. If you had to describe Spurs with one of the two following words, would it be hapless or hopeless? Uh, hapless. There's some hope. Mm-hmm. There's some hope out there. Uh, but it's mainly hapless. No hap. No hap. I once knew a person named Hap. All hope, no hap. Sorry, my for some reason my audio keeps switching out of my out of my AirPods, so um, we're just we're struggling. But we're here. Man, back to BPS. We're here. Yes, please. Get him into the studios soon. Uh, Mike Samuelson is in Minneapolis. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I haven't even been introduced. I've just been no. blabbering away over here. Just been talking. Um. Yeah. Back. 
Uh, I was talking to a longtime pod supporter, Dan Liu, last night, and uh, he claims I'm never on the pod anymore. So I'm here today <laughs> showing my, my face. You can hear my voice. It's really me. Uh, I'm just happy to, happy to be back. You know, prefer a four-man. It's not always possible these days. So you know, three's, three's pretty good. It's a C plus. Three is, is not bad. We'll take it. Um, we have a warm-up this week sent in from a uh, longtime pod supporter, Eric Schrauben. Uh, we're going to do this in the style of um, not like categories where one of you is going to lose immediately. We'll do it more like, I think it's Sporkle, where we set a time limit and then you try to answer as many within the category as you can in that time. Ooh, this, this is good. I like okay. it. It's like a little, can a someone, little team contest. Yeah. Uh, I'm using my phone for this category. Can someone else get a timer? I'll, I'll set a time. What do we need? Okay. I'd say let's give it 90 seconds. It's a good one. I like okay. 90 seconds. Yep. It's going to be pretty quick. Do you want to read the thing and then I'll hit the timer? Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, we are looking for founding members of the Football League, 1888. There are 12. You have 90 seconds. Weird. Go it's, ahead. It's so weird that there's 12 of them. Uh, are we just, <laughs> oh. are we just Preston, yelling out? Preston North End. Yes, Preston North End. Uh, Mike, just keep going. Bolton. Yes. Wait. Black, bl- yes, Bolton. Everton. Blackburn? Everton. Everton, yes. Blackburn, yes. Uh, Leeds. There's got, there's got to be a London team in there. Chelsea. No Leeds. No Chelsea. Uh, Blackpool. No Blackpool. Uh, Bradford. No Bradford. Tottenham. Uh, no Tottenham. Aston Villa. Yes, Villa. Uh, uh, Birmingham. No Birmingham. Yeah, Mike. This is West Brom. Palmer, just why aren't yes, you yelling? Yes, West Brom. Why aren't you yelling out? Yes, more stuff? West Brom. Because uh, I'm trying to think of teams. You're just you're you're doing much better than me. Um, uh, Sunderland. No Sunderland. Uh, Port- Portsmouth. Good guess. No. Thank you. Man, uh, Man City. No. Uh, Plymouth, Plymouth Argyle. Great guess. No. Ten, uh, ten seconds. Uh, Nottingham Forest. Notts County. No. Yes. Uh, five seconds, Palmer. Say something. Four. Something. Three. Liverpool. Two. No. One. That's time. Wow. All right. You guys got Villa, Blackburn, Bolton. Did you say Burnley? No. no. Palmer, you were on Burnley duty. Everton, Notts County, Preston North End, and West Brom. You got seven of 12. Pretty, pretty good. good. Not bad. You missed Accrington, mm. Burnley, Derby County, mm. uh, Everton, not, Everton, not, Stoke City, and Wolverhampton. And oh, did you say Wolves. West Brom? You said yeah, West Brom. We did Wolves. say West Brom. Mike said Wolves, West Brom. Stoke. Uh, Derby County, Accrington, and uh, whatever the other one was you missed. Yeah, there you go. Mike, Mike did a fantastic job there. I got Everton. There was Palmer. Uh, it's a team effort. <laughs> just, just like in the, uh, just like in the the uh, the trivia pod that we did. Yep. Team effort, and I come in last. <laughs> the, uh, Eric will be very happy because his comment when he sent this to me was um, surprisingly note no London based teams. 
So mm. Oh, I just uh, said I said that there's got to be a London-based yeah. team in there. Yeah. He will have been giggling for the last 90 seconds. <laughs> got him. I I think I did know somewhere that like all the teams were from from the north. The north. So, the north. Yeah. Yeah, this this all fits very well into the soccernomics theory of um, why it's the non-capital uh, central cities that are generally good at soccer, right? Also, it's so it's the claim. people's game. It's the people's game. It's a blue it's collar game. game. It's a working class. Yeah, exactly. It's not for Richies. Uh, excellent stuff. We got emails. We got a lot of emails and a lot of. Uh, I wonder I mean, why. Good what, luck, Mike. what happened last week? Was there anything so that happened last emails. week? So many emails. Last week, we're getting emails that mirror the format of the thread last week, which is <laughs> mostly incomprehensible, meandering, and uh, Ta- talking over themselves. <laughs> just no no pauses, un- lots of unbroken uh, thoughts. Yep. yep. Good was, luck, Mike. It was funny listening to the pod last week and just hearing Colin and just being like, I know that Colin. I know that Colin very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. First email. Actually, the first email we're going to talk about is the only one that's not really Super League related. Uh, Pedro just sent us a link uh, to... I love this new move by Pedro, by the yeah. way. Yeah, it's very um, low effort from Pedro, but that's fine because it works for us. It gives us something to talk about. We should probably just get Pedro on a text thread with us because this is really... This is a text thread style. You just send links. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, he just sent us to a link to the USL2 uh, website. So USL2, if I'm not mistaken, is the fourth tier of uh, of soccer in the US. Uh, Sounds about right. So it's I'm pretty sure it's amateur. Uh, maybe maybe like semi pro. I don't know. Definitely not fully professional. And it's just a link that says uh, Christos FC set to join USL League Two for the 2022 season. Uh, for those of you who don't remember. Christos FC is a Baltimore club. They had a run in the U.S. Open Cup a few years back where they beat somebody. Did they, they beat, beat DC United? United? No, it says they reached the fourth round in 2018 where it, they briefly took the lead against DC United. Okay. And then we smashed them, battered yeah, Christ- them to, Christos- to cement our uh, mid-Atlantic supremacy. Christos <laughs> FC was like... Uh, like sponsored by uh, just like a liquor store in in Baltimore or something, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's right. I think that's right. Um, yeah, so you know they say in joining League Two, Christos FC will offer a proven pathway to professional soccer for its players, both those at the elite collegiate level and the top top academy age players in the greater Baltimore area. I mean, we love the grassroots, Palmer. Love it. This, uh, the club, I forget if it was the club website or the Wikipedia, did not call themselves professional or amateur. They called themselves pre-professional. <laughs> it was a pre-professional club. Mm. Yeah, I was yep. playing a little bit of pre-professional soccer, but that didn't necessarily lead to professional soccer, I think, is the key distinction. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else to say here, guys, other than just, you know, always good to keep track of the grassroots? Yeah, I like it. Keep keep developing um it just means that there's you know uh the momentum for soccer in in the u.s is is picking up and uh you know soon we'll be better than mexico hey eh? ah, cute <laughs> cute we'll see 
Um, my say- issue with this, you know, the the current owners of this club are really, they're just a, uh, a shepherd of the club and someday it will be owned by somebody else. So I hate to see them come in and name it after themselves because that's really not what it's about. <laughs> I mean, maybe this will be like a the New Saints situation where they'll they'll just change names, uh, or maybe the company that buys them will will become Christos. Oh, that could be Christos uh, Medical Sales. Yeah, <laughs> renaming themselves after the club. Yeah, good branding opportunity. <laughs> um, all right. Well, all the rest of the emails I would say are directly or tangentially related to the European Super League uh, and all that happened over the past week. Um, I think I'm just gonna, yeah, maybe we'll just do them one on by one and I'll just sort of jump in with other comments as we get there. Uh, so the next email is from Pedro, just another beautiful link to a tweet that just says football died when they started giving yellows for taking your top off. (laughs) I mean, there's something there. I think, I think there's something there. I think he's right. I I absolutely think that this is right. It's for the fans. What are other things about joy? What are things that are currently prohibited in the game that should not be prohibited? Hacking. <laughs> <laughs> which which means hitting with your hands, your opponent. Uh, that's a great question, Mike. Hacking? You want more hacking, huh? More hacking. I can't think of any other things that are strictly for the fans. Like... Uh, same way though like leaving the field to celebrate like mm-hmm. you should go embrace that front row of supporters when there's not a pandemic but yeah, the, is there. that is that not allowed it's not, I mean, that's a yellow card yeah is it yeah it may also be like inciting fans or oh, something like, like that if you like jump into the state like like the if you do a I Lambo think even leap. if you go up to the boards and okay. embrace okay if you le- you're not supposed to leave the field of play I think okay. What about this? This is this is a little bit of a, a jump from uh, from what Dan said. So we all we all love a streaker, um, but we all also acknowledge that just having random people on the field in this day and age is potentially problematic. So what if each club could pre-clear streakers? Be like, okay, this person mm. is the official club streaker. We're not going to let them on the field, but we're just going to know. Okay, if that's Palmer who's streaking, we we know you know it's probably okay. <laughs> Uh, probably like, <laughs> the the chances of this going poorly are only two percent, not the normal ten percent. I mean, Mike, you love a you love a uh, um, a pitch invasion, uh, but a, a, an ironic pitch invasion. That's true. A good so natured, a good need, natured pitch invasion. We need a ironic, good natured pitch invasion. We need more yeah, opportunities. I, for the problem that. with pitch invasions, yeah. I think, can be legitimately very scary for players. Yes. Whereas a single streaker, I think, especially if they're disrobed, uh, I think you kind of <laughs> well, that's, you know what you're getting. That, that's what I was gonna say. You know what you're getting. Uh, that's what I was gonna say though. If they're fully naked, you don't have to be that concerned because they're not hiding. Like the strip search is done. Right. It's safe. Right. Oh right? So fully naked should be allowed. Allowed. And only one, maybe two at a time, because you can have one guy go to distract and then. So you got to line up. And wait your turn. <laughs> what we're getting at is we need more nudity in football. Is what basically that's that's I mean that's what Pedro said. The I shirts off thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying that there's there's a place for it in the game. I'm not saying we have all the answers <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Any anything else? Anything else? Um. 
More more props, more more props allowed in uh in your celebration, right? Like yeah. wasn't there a player that would have a um I can't remember his name, but he had a, a luchador mask that he would put on. I feel like he played for Wolves for a little bit. Oh. Yeah, I mean, seems yeah. seems like something that's definitely happened over the course of football history. Yeah, we need we need it. more props in celebrations. More props. Just, Mainly more uh, more artistic li- artistic license allowed in in your yeah. celebrations. Just more more joy. Also, just yeah. or and or uh, allowing of of uh, statements. Yeah. I mean, why always me? I mean, why, why always, always me, me was just iconic. Yeah. As an as an old white man, I feel responsible to now say that this is all impossible because VAR takes all of the joy out of all goal celebrations. <laughs> so none of this can actually be applied to the current game. You have to wait until VAR confirms before you can take your shirt off. <laughs> and that's right. That should be the rule. Yeah. Or what about you can take your shirt off. No, I like this rule. You can take your shirt off until VAR confirms. That will speed up Ooh. VAR. They'd be like, look, if you don't want, you know, Get that guys shirt taking on. their Get shirt off with like a political statement, you better hurry up with the VAR. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's good. That is really good. Little incentive. Uh, anything else? That's all I got. All right. That's, that's good stuff. I think the clear takeaway is less clothing. (laughs) Um, all right. Next email is from Ryan Donnelly. Um, this email was sent, I believe before the news that the ESL had fallen apart. Um, and so he's, he's kind of making the comparison between the ESL and, and, you know, American leagues. He says, my primary concern here is actually coming from a U.S. sports league as a cautionary, cautionary tale. Alternative leagues to threaten the primary league, uh, USFL, XFL, independent baseball, have ultimately failed because the institutions they're fighting are too big to fail. The scary part about the Super League and why it might be successful in coming into existence is because the clubs aiming to form it are ultimately too big to fail too. Um, do you guys think that's an apt comparison? I mean, I think that is the that's the interesting dynamic is that they're trying to create an alternative to something that is so well established, you know, the same way as the XFL or independent baseball has in the States. I just don't think that these clubs are too big to fail. And that's why they're trying to do it is because Real Madrid knows that they're screwed. Like they mm-hmm. need the income and they right. need the stable income. They aren't too big to fail. And, and they will to- go into administration and that is, that's exactly why they're trying to make this move. Yeah, and according to their president, if if this doesn't happen, football will fail because basically football needs Real Madrid. Right. That's a yeah, right. cuz trickle down is is a thing. <laughs> yep, that's shown to work quite well. I mean, I think the difference between what Ryan's talking about and the ESL is that all these kind of splinter leagues in the US, those were like new teams just totally coming out of nowhere. Uh whereas these are like established teams breaking away. I don't know if we've seen that in the U.S. We've certainly seen the opposite where we've seen successful splinter leagues. I mean, it's been a long time with like the ABA or the AFL where they've had a really good product and ultimately been kind of gobbled up by the, the original league. But I don't know if there's been an instance where like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys have said, screw the NFL, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to go play in the Canadian Football League. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is interesting. All the kind of failed 
alternative leagues are essentially minor leagues trying to compete with the majors. It's not major leagues trying to splinter from the, you know, the other way, kind of the top end tail instead of the bottom end tail trying to do their own thing. Yeah. Uh, Man, Cliff is going to have a great time with this uh, leaf blower or whatever's going on behind <laughs> me. So sorry, Cliff. <laughs> Sunday morning. Just tell Jill to stop leaf blowing. Yeah, Jill, knock it off. <laughs> Not now, Jill. Um, all right. The next series of emails are from Raymond. Uh, you know, I think this is a case where Raymond's saying, you know, the, the pot's calling the kettle black. I think that's the the right analogy here of like, you know, all these very, uh, you know, fans, pro- fans from a lot of teams. But, you know, mostly what we've heard and seen the protests are fans from the really big teams, which are kind of already on top of their leagues. Um, and, and I guess there's, you know, well, I'll just read out what, what Raymond said. He says, something is wrong with the status quo, in my opinion, in Germany, Spain, France, Italy, Scotland, the Netherlands, he talks about England later. Um, why don't fans try to unite in these countries to do more to give us competitive leagues? You know, he also talks about how, uh, you know, who are the English to condemn changes to European football? when the Premier League itself is a runaway league from the first division solely to help big clubs compete with other big clubs in Europe. So, you know, I, I think there's a there's a lot of hypocrisy here, I guess, is Raymond's point, and, and I, I certainly see that point and agree with it. And so, you know, I guess, do you guys think that there's any distinction between the Super League and, you know, maybe the Premier League or just like the direction football has been going in over the past, you know, 20, 30 years of like consolidating money and power at the top? I mean, I I think that this is a really good point. And I think that what you saw this week with the Super League was it felt like almost kind of faux outrage um, because everyone knew that this was the direction that football was going anyway, right? Like money uh, kind of runs the system. And, uh, you know... If you, as a, as a fan, if your team doesn't spend money to buy players, then those fans get extremely upset and, you know, you're not active in the transfer market and all of this, right? And so this was an attempt to make more money and have more ability to go out and buy players and make the product on the field what the fans wanted, right? And then as soon as that was done, uh, fans were up in arms. And then behind the scenes... Um, UEFA and the Champions League decided to make changes to the competition that is essentially going to mean more money in football. Um, so it's just, it was all just so weird. The whole, the whole system, the whole setup, the, um, just how everything came down was just bizarre. Um, and it was pretty clear that uh, it's, it's this like, fake outrage to me whereas this is this was the direction that this was going this was we were talking about this for 10 years this was going to happen yeah yeah this um, comes up every year right right it seems like it got closest to happening this time right but this is discussed every single year i do i think there's a, a distinction though because although you know germany bayern munich is clearly dominant spain they're the big three you know italy scotland i mean i see his raymond's point but there's still a pathway for every single club in the pyramid right and the difference between that and the super league would be that it creates a break in that pathway um 
and like maybe I heard some discussion and I didn't read all the fine print and whatever, but like there, there were maybe a few slots in the Super League that you could qualify into. Yeah. But if there are, if it's impossible to get relegated out of it for at least a few of the teams, that changes the entire competitive dynamic. And that doesn't exist now, right? Yeah. I mean, if Manchester City stopped investing, they would get relegated within a few years or whatever. And in the Super League, that may not have happened. Um, so, yes, there's hypocrisy, but it's all, it's not an even playing field because the investment is like vastly different. And that's what creates the, the stratification of these clubs. But it's even in that, that it's, it's the investment that creates the stratification. It's not some arbitrary rule that just says like, no, these are the top clubs. Sorry, they're the top clubs. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I do wonder, um, it's a lot easier for, for people, everyone, myself included, to know what you don't want than what you do want. And I, I do wonder, you know, if these fans who were out protesting, I mean, we saw big protests for Chelsea. I saw some Arsenal protests. And I wonder if you said like, do you actually want more parity within the Premier League? What they would say, like, would you want a salary cap? Would you want something that makes it easier for, you know, West Brom to compete for a title? Uh, or do you just want the status quo of, you know, there's six teams, maybe even fewer, you could argue, that usually have a chance to win? You know, we, we saw Leicester, but, uh, you know, I think that, that was, was a kind of once a, in a lifetime. Yep. Yep. So, yep. so, I mean, I think that's kind of interesting to me, like what, what happens now and what do fans actually want? I mean, you know, Raymond kind of makes the point here that, uh, you know, all these fans said we don't want an NFL style competition where it's kind of locked in who's in there. And I, I get that because, you know, you have this history of promotion relegation and in, in the in um, in Europe and you don't in the U.S. So just totally different. But like if you look at, you know, the number of teams that have won a, a Super Bowl over the last 20 years versus the number of teams that have won a Premier League or a European title, you could say the NFL is more competitive and. You know, I guess it's all to say, like, it'd be interesting to know what what fans actually want. You know, if you're a fan of a a big club, are you willing to cede power? If you're a fan of a small club, do you actually just enjoy like your team not being relegated and not being, being the, the fight? plucky? Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, I do think that we're gonna see the Super League rear its head again and again. And I mean, this is not the end of it. I, Mike, I think that that's. That's the point, right? I feel like if you ask if if you ask Real Madrid fans, do you want to see a salary cap? Their answer is probably going to be no, because they love to see the big players on their team, right? And they love to see that their their team can go out and spend like this insane amount of money to go sign whomever, right? Um, and then on the flip side, they also get a, an insane amount of money from other clubs in Europe. Uh, to buy their players. Um, <clears throat> but if you ask, like, uh, a team, you know, Gadis, uh, who's down at the bottom, would you like to see a salary cap? They would probably say, yeah, I would love that, because that means that we could, you know, maybe pay our players more, get a bigger name, and uh, maybe compete. Maybe we're not yeah. in the bottom, and we're fighting for relegation promotion every year. Maybe we're uh up in seventh um but on the on in the same vein right like we talk about Leicester where is Leicester now Leicester's competing for a Champions League spot right now um so that that winning the Premier League that has kind of changed their 
uh, their trajectory over the last, what, I can't remember when they won the Premier League, but they're now, you know, fighting for the top, they're technically maybe in the top six, right? Um, so winning, winning that Premier League has kind of changed their trajectory as a club, and that's a great thing, that's a good thing. Um, we're, we're saying that that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but like, man, it would be really cool if we could see Aston Villa compete for a top four position. Um, but that also means that we have to be able to spread that, spread that wealth around so that it doesn't happen once in a lifetime where now Leicester changes their trajectory as, of a club. So. so we maybe should recap the development this week, which I don't think we did. Uh, the, I think it was the English teams kind of started by putting out statements and saying, actually, we retract any involvement in this. We're out. Chelsea yeah, maybe rep- was the first. and then- Represented by uh, Peter Cech. Was that right? I didn't well, catch that. Well, I mean, he, he was, was at out. The protest, I don't, I saw. He was at the protest because oh. they wouldn't let uh, the protesters wouldn't let Chelsea's bus get into the stadium, and so there were there were scenes of Peter Cech outside uh, negotiating with the protesters, being like, "We oh. got this. We got this. We got this handled. Let us in so that we can play this game." Trust yeah. us. Uh, yeah. And then, like twenty minutes later, Chelsea was like, "Uh, we don't want to be part of this league anymore." So this, this, yeah. <laughs> never mind. We can't even drive our bus around. Uh, <laughs> So a bunch of teams, it was, I mean, it was to the point almost that it seemed like the whole thing was set up to be a PR uh, setup so that you could prove how much you love your fans by listening to their protests, right? right. The English teams <laughs> ran away from this idea very fast. Uh, I think Atletico also. Real Madrid, pretty much still in it. Uh, Florentino Perez, the president, uh, still out there saying we need to do this uh, and there are contracts in place all these clubs that are saying they're out they're not out they signed contracts they're yeah. still in uh, you and can't get out I so. think I think Barcelona's president also has said like he's he's not been quite as forward as Perez but he's been like well we need to do this but ultimately the because it's a supporter owned club or that the fans have a vote I'm not sure like the legal process but he's like ultimately the fans will need to decide but also we need to do this. So, I mean, those maybe are the clubs that are in the worst financial shape. Uh, exactly. So that's so, probably part of it. One of the things that Perez said was, because um, I think they also maybe needed to, Real Madrid needs to put it in front of the fans to vote or something, but or it was suggested that they should. And he was like, why would we? We already know what they're going to do. Of course, they want to see us playing against Manchester City and Chelsea every week. Uh, you know, those are everyone, I think his quote was like, everyone pays attention when Federer plays Nadal, right? Um, Mike, do you, I mean, that struck me basically as because it's rare and because it's always meaningful. And if you take that match and make it not meaningful or do it every week, it's less uh, interesting, right? You you ruin that product by watering it down. Yeah. Palmer. I, Go ahead, Palmer. I have a question. Federer plays Nadal many times a year. Right. Yeah, that's the other when, thing. When yeah. when do we care when Federer plays Nadal? We care at in, the majors, the final, right? The French Wimbledon Open or Wimbledon yeah. or whatever, right? So he plays him a lot. He plays him in the Audi Cup, tennis cup thing, whatever. Yeah, and the like, West Palm Beach hardcore warm up. Yeah, exactly. Right, or you know, just hitting balls uh, with um, you know high school teachers in Dubai. Um, you Abu know, Dhabi, so it happens, but like. <laughs> Like, but no one's really watching that, right? They care when it matters. They care when it's when it's a major tournament. Um, but if you make a major tournament happen every weekend, 
Do people really care? Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point, Palmer, is like there's there's something that people can get excited for. The hype can lead up. You know, it's like, okay, we've got a month to prepare for this. You get, you know, all the all the journalism, you get all the social media, you get the players talking, et cetera, et cetera. And you just can't maintain that high level of, of drama every single week. Um, and frankly, like, you know, for for some of these teams, <laughs> there was a, a tweet I saw that was mocking Arsenal fan TV that was like, uh, you know, the, the guy interviewing one of the fans and then underneath it just said, another eight, no loss. How are we doing? Uh, and, and so I think that's another part of, of the closed system. Um, you know, you see like some of these teams this year, uh, you know, Arsenal not doing very well. Chelsea's had a few years where they've, you know, high profile, where they, they've done poorly. Um, you know, the, some of the Italian teams like Inter and, and Milan have been pretty mediocre. So, you know, even if you wanted to say, all right, well, we need to have more of the best teams playing each other all the time because that's what the fans want then let's actually have the best teams, not just the historical teams or the teams with the biggest budgets. Like let's actually do this on a sporting merit rather than just, you know, the money. Oh, like the like top, create. like the top four in every single premier league, like a league where only the champions play each other. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, so here, I totally agree with all this. And I think the solution, the natural direction that this would go. And a thing that, I think I might be into uh, is that if it's the same people, big clubs playing every week and you can't maintain the excitement for the fans, that just means you need fresh fans every week. (laughs) You can't play every week in Madrid and in London and in Munich. You need to take these games on the road. You need to become Formula One. Yes, I've been watching Drive to Survive. Every week. It's about time this podcast became a Drive to Survive podcast. That's right. It's about time. But this is where it goes, right? Because exactly for this reason, you can't convince the Real Madrid fans that they care about playing Chelsea every week. Mm -hmm. So you go and instead you convince the Los Angeles Chelsea fans that they care and that they're willing to buy a ticket to your festival for a single week where there are 10 games between the 20 best teams in the world. And then next week, it's Mexico City. And then the week after that, it's Sao Paulo. And then the week after that, right? And you move around every single week. And you take the festival. It's like a little World Cup uh, group stage, right? That first week is amazing because there are three or four games a day. And you just move around. You pop around. And you take all 20 teams. And you go on the road for uh, whatever it is, 20 uh uh, 20 weekends and you have these little festivals and I, I think that might actually be awesome I mean in terms of world of soccer and the pyramid it might suck but like if, Dan, Dan absolutely diabolical <laughs> but He's why not, not wrong because I'm not wrong it's the circus the circus loads up on a train moves to another town yeah. does that for a while gets in the train moves to the next town that and if they show up in you know, they're not going to come to Portland. Portland's not big enough. But if they show up in LA, that's a pretty easy flight for me. I might go down for three days and watch as many games as I can, or at least hang out in the fan zone and drink beer and watch these games on the big screen with a bunch of other fans. Like I I do think that that would be sweet. I do think that this model has been kind of tested. Um, and that, that test model is the NFL, uh, expanding into, uh, London. Right. And I don't know how successful they've been with that. Um, they have floated uh, an NFL team in London, per- perhaps happening, but that's all just like, 
no way, get out of here, that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> um, and they don't fill Wembley. I mean, Wembley's a huge stadium, but they don't, they don't film it uh, or fill it. And uh, the, the viewership for those games are, are not great here in the U.S., right? Like, you got to wake up at, uh, you know, 4.30 on the, on the um, Pacific Coast. Um, traveling to those, to those things are uh, a big deal for the players, right? It's just, it's just it's awkward, right? Um, you know, you talk about the traveling in MLS being uh, a, a, a bear on players here in the U.S. Uh, yeah. The yeah. U.S. is a huge country. Well, the world is really, really big. So if you're going to bounce from, uh, you know, country to country and continent to continent every week, that's that seems like a lot. Um, I, there are models listen, that are doing it, though, right? I, I, like... Right. There are, there are definitely models that are doing that. So um, it's just these things have been floated. It's just my thing with the ESL and how quickly it devolved uh, and just failed was like, there was no PR behind this. There was no yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like There's no rollout. It's as if they sat in the room and they're like, "Everyone's gonna love this. Let's do it, right?" Yeah. And there then was it, no focus group. And then when no one really... liked it, they were like, "Wait, what? Wait, why don't you guys love this?" Yeah. Wait, even even but... Perez was still like, "People love this. People think this is a great <laughs> idea." I, I mean, there was a really good article in the New York Times that just kind of went through the the failings of this, and that was one of the things they said is is you know supposedly. These clubs spent all of their effort convincing like politicians that this was a good idea so that politicians, you know, wouldn't create laws against it or whatever. And no time thinking about the public relations strategy for fans and reaching out to fans or having a message for why fans should support this. And so, you know, even if you spend hours talking to Boris Johnson on the phone, then when he sees, you know, thousands of fans decrying this and, you know, getting just plastered on on TV, on social media... He's not going to be like, oh, yeah, great idea. I love this because, you know, you had a bunch of meetings with him. And it just it just feels like in terms of a rollout, uh, just a shockingly poor rollout. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to say, again, I know Florentino's listening. I know, you know, Cronky's listening. We are available like soccer yeah. thread at Gmail. Very reasonable rates. We could have we could have really been of service here. That's right. That's right. We, we'd even advertise for two cases of Heineken. We would advertise the Super League. I do have a question about, uh, I don't know how long we want to talk about Super League, but um, I do have a question about like this rollout and this, really the like, I tried to do this I think last week and just tried to put the conspiracy hat, conspiracy theory hat on. And it, it just, it felt like they announced it at like, six o'clock Sunday evening in uh in London, right? Like it just felt like it was like a news dump kind of thing. There was no real rollout. It was just an announcement. Uh well, it was getting then, leaked. I mean that was part of the issue is that like the the head of UEFA found out about it before it became public and started okay. calling, you know, uh some of the chairmen of these clubs. And so there was this like, all right, we need to get out ahead of this before, you know, UEFA comes and threatens us even before this becomes public. And I think it was just totally botched is, is why it got rolled out the way it did in, in part. Okay. But so then, and then how quickly it falls apart, right? Uh, it just seemed like there was like no conviction in this, in this actual league. And really, are, was it an attempt for UEFA and the Champions League to get changes that they announced this week 
which essentially makes it almost like a super league where it just makes it harder for the top top teams to not progress into this tournament um and is that why this happened like was it just was I mean, it these billionaires willing to just take a pr hit so that the the clubs and the teams that they are owners of um to get the 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 changes in the uefa champions league that that, that needed to be pushed through I don't think that was their actual intent, but that's the result, right? right? I mean, it provides leverage. It shows how serious they are about trying to break up the status quo. And what that means is that the status quo will fight to maintain uh, whatever they can in terms of power and, and uh, prestige of their tournament and income and whatever else. So, I mean, yeah, that's the result. And how does it come about? Maybe yeah. it doesn't matter if that's the intent or not, yeah. but that's exactly, yeah, I mean... The result is that these teams win concessions from the Champions League. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious also, like, how this plays out. I mean, we haven't seen any punishment, and I'm interested to see if we see punishment or, you know, if you punish a team too much, it might just push them further into a Super League or another breakaway competition. Um, right. So I think there's there's kind of that balance, but at the same time, you know, the... It- the language. So are there mechanisms? Are there mechanisms for punishment? Like you can, like oh, you're you don't really like the competition that we provide for you. We're gonna punish you for that. Like that's very. <laughs> I mean, all of these organizations, like UEFA, all the national organizations, are basically unregulated and can kind of do whatever they want. So I think the answer is like yes, if they want they to, can do they it could. Out, yeah. You know, I I think they could they could just say like, well, you are gonna do this breakaway competition. We're gonna relegate you, or we're gonna do X, Y, and Z. Um, so I, I mean, I am all for like huge punishment. I mean, I just, just for the spectacle of it, I just want to see what happens. (laughs) Um, but I, I also think like there's, there's a clear contradiction in like everything that's happening here where, you know, the, the leagues we're seeing less parity, we're seeing, we're seeing less, you know, opportunity for small teams. Um, and the way to do that is to spread the money. And I think ultimately, Fans want to see some level of parity. They've shown that this week. They want to see something that's based on sporting merit. But then you're also seeing this this push to consolidate money even further, whether it's the Super League or the new Champions League format. And so, I mean, we're just going to see these things running up against each other over and over again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is not this is not like done and dusted. We're going to be fine for the next thirty years. I think. It comes back every we're, year. It comes I back mean, every year. Perez is, is still saying it's going to come back now. You know, he's saying, like you said, Dan, contracts have been signed. So we'll see how far he goes to push that. If he, you know, takes people to court, I can't wait for that. That'll be good stuff to talk about. So overall, Real Madrid I'm just, loves I'm, the Spanish court system. This will be the first time that they're ever the uh, the plaintiff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just I just can't wait for the drama. I'm here for it. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's about, right? I have one more question. Uh, and it's the lasting impact of these protests. How much... So I feel like the rhetoric was like, oh, the fans changed this. The fans were the reason why these teams dropped out. And I feel like this that is a naive, naive take. The fans didn't have... I mean, the protests were there. There was a ton of protests. People were upset. But like, you knew that this wasn't going to work immediately, right? You just knew. The way it rolled out... The way that it was announced, it was a shambles. It was sham- it well, it was right. Like and and the Super League had zero PR to like combat this, right? Uh, and it 
it looked like the fans had a lot more power and the players had a lot more power with like their ability to kind of speak out and comment comment about this. Is there a lasting impact on this? Is there do fans have more power now or is this just like again smokescreen to uh let let me think that you have power but in all actuality there's no power. There's there's no power. I mean I I know Colin was talking about local fans having a lot of power and and really funding these projects or funding these teams rather. But like Palmer, I, did did you buy any Tottenham gear this week? Oh, I thought I had my Tottenham jersey on. Uh, <laughs> no, I did not. It's, there you go. See, I didn't. See? I didn't. The, the week money, before the that, international the fan money, dried up this week. <laughs> it dried up. I mean, so first of all, in terms of organizing, it's a lot easier to organize twelve clubs than it is to organize you know thousands or millions of fans. Um, I think also like it takes these huge, huge oversteps uh, for fans to get really pissed off and actually take to the street. And even if this happens again next year, I think fewer fans will will protest because, you know, some people who are outraged by this initially, they'll just be like, well, I see the writing on the wall. There's nothing we can do to stop it. So I, I don't think owners haven't given any actual concessions to fans. They haven't said, you know, sorry, we fucked up let's give fans a vote on our board or let's give fans actual power. And I don't think they ever would. Um, and unless we see something like that, I think it's just going to be, you know, owners and, and, you know, multi-billionaires just kind of doing whatever they want to make as much money as they want. Yeah. The other part though, I think is not just the fans, it's the players. Like we saw players come and speak out in numbers that we honestly haven't even seen about like the anti-racism stuff yep uh which says some says a lot but um i think the other part of that question for me palmer is not just have fans found their voice and realize that maybe whether or not it's true but they probably feel at least like they've impact you know had some uh drive towards change but i wonder if players also um in the same way but like Gundogan came out and had a tweet and was like, all right, well, all the Super League stuff is great, yeah. but they made some wild changes to the Champions League, which means more game for the players. Like, they don't care about us. We're just the product and they're just going to yeah. run us into the ground. Where's the outrage there? And everyone was like, shut up. You're part of the Super League. You suck. I hate you. You know? So yeah. it's just I, like, uh, I also think like we didn't hear players speak up immediately. We heard players speak up after their club had pulled out or after there'd been massive protests. I just think the players even if they feel like this is a bad idea, they're, they're not willing to risk their contracts. They're not willing to risk getting blackballed right, right. by speaking out. You know, even if you had a, a mass of players um, who feel that way, I, I just don't see it happening. Yep. So I'm not sure we've got much else to say. That's uh, most of two pods on the Super League. That is what it is. Uh, it appears dead for now. Florentino Perez thinks maybe it's not, but... Uh, I think the reasonable minds uh, think that we'll have at least one more year of the Champions League. Shouts, shouts to the Super League for giving us so much content. And uh, you know, if you need a, an official podcast, you you know yeah, you know the know. email Super League Thread Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So uh, we all agree, closed leagues bad for football. Let's move on and talk about the MLS. Unless they pass. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sorry, Dan. I really screwed up your transition there. That's good. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's talk about MLS. What happened this week, Mike? DC United loses to the best team in the league, New England Revolution. Yeah. I mean, 
I I watched I watched my first full soccer game last night, DC United, and in a long time, it's it's rare that I make it through a full ninety minutes of any game. Um, and man, I gotta say, we got a new coach, got the same battled players, and team looks pretty similar. Uh, it's not to say we might not change. Uh, we've got a new GM in, we've got a new coach. It's the second game of the season. We we have brought in a couple new players, but. I have to say it was uh, it was not encouraging. It was not the new ba- manager bounce that I was hoping to see. We also were two games into the season, and we could not even fill our full bench because of injuries, which I found very distressing. Uh, again, I'm not a I'm not a you know a, a physical trainer or whatever, uh, so I don't know how these things work, and maybe we're just trying to avoid longer term injuries. But I was like, it's not a great sign. You can only have six guys on the bench, and it's the second game of the season. Not a good sign. And also, um, Bruce Arena is incredibly smug, and I hate him. <laughs> That's true. Who's the manager at DCU now? Uh, his name is Hernan Lozado. He's a Argentine who was previously coaching in Belgium. So I like that we went outside of MLS. Feels very un DC United. You know, I very much expected us to hire like a Jason Kreis or something. Yeah. Uh, just some guy who is a very safe pick who isn't very good. So I'm I'm excited. Uh, but also, like, it's going to take a while. But you're willing to let him rebuild? I mean, same players for now, but give it a year or two of turnover and letting him shape the team. That's uh, something that you have some yeah. hope for, if not confidence? I hope so. I mean, I think if we do well, he'll probably get poached to another bigger league club. Like, he's played in, in Europe, I think, most of his career. So, has contacts there, I assume. So, you know, stepping stone, but that's fine. He can use this as a stepping stone as long as we do well and play some some decent, you know, hopefully a, attacking football, which was Mike, not really on display last night, but there you go. How good, how good did the best team in MLS look last night? Not great. Honestly, I mean, maybe, you know, DC United was, was 1-0 coming into this game, so maybe DC United is actually quite good, and the Revs are also quite good. And uh, they just don't, neither of them play attractive soccer. But like, so it's not necessarily a fun game to watch, I would say. It was like <laughs> Carlos Heel and then 21 other guys who are not great at soccer. And not a lot of like ingenuity or attacking ideas from either team. It sounds like a great 90 minutes for you to have watched. Great. I'm back, baby. Back on the soccer train. <laughs> soccer, mostly crap. That is uh, always been true. It will continue to be true. The Super League can't change that. Yep. Yep. Uh, Philadelphia loses to Miami. Uh, that's uh, not a great result for Philadelphia. They've, they've got to be beating teams like Miami if they want to be top of the East. Uh, nothing else to say about that uh, except... Both the Iguain brothers scored in that game which is the first time that's ever happened in MLS history, which is quite wow. fun. Wow. Take that, Chara brothers. Yeah, yeah come on, Chara brothers. That's, man. Diego does not score nearly enough for that to be a yeah. real realistic possibility for the Chara brothers. <laughs> um, Austin gets a win over Colorado, which I only mentioned because uh, it was mentioned on this podcast that Austin would pick up zero points all year long. <laughs> Colorado may maybe not an impressive win for them, but it's a win. Was that a was that a Colin Smith take? Who said that? I, I'm trying to reference all possible Colin Smith takes while he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> what a coward. He couldn't even show up on this podcast. A coward. Uh yeah. I mean, I didn't see any of this game, but good on Austin. That's a yeah. big win. 
I mean, I have to say, First seeing points. that Austin score and like seeing their team, it's their team is basically could be DC United. It's a bunch of like MLS kind of has beens or standard guys. It's coached by Joss Wolf, who used to be an assistant coach for DC United. You're just like, I mean, maybe they're still going to be crap. I don't know, but it's like, man, that don't that could be us. We could have scored three goals in a single game. Yeah, the only thing to say about Austin is I don't hate their kits. I like their badge, and they're sponsored by a cooler. So, <laughs> Mo- moving on. Great, great yeah. commentary. Uh, Portland get a win last night over Houston. Uh, Palmer, you did not get to watch this game. Is that I right? Didn't, I watched. Uh, I was uh, at a gathering, um, and I was watching Sofa score. And it yeah. looked like Portland was really, really good for like ten minutes, and then not so good for uh, un- maybe seventy minutes, and then really, really good for the last ten minutes. So um, that was that was my understanding from the SofaScore app. Uh, but we won. Yeah, we won. I watched most of this game. It was a like strangely rotated, uh, maybe not that strange, but it was a rotated um, lineup. We're in the middle of CONCACAF Champions League. We've got Club America coming to Portland in the midweek. Um, so a lot, like Diego Valerio only played uh, the second half. Uh, we rotated other guys in and out, gave them only half, I think, so we can be fresh uh, for the CONCACAF Champions League. So it really looked like this rotated squad just had a great, great pep talk right before the game. And they came <laughs> out and they looked good for 20 minutes. Like we were just going to roll. And then the pep talk kind of wore off. And then we were just kind of a replacement level MLS team for a while. Uh, then we rotated at halftime again, brought Valerian. Uh, things kind of looked better. And then at the end of the game, well, so we got the winner. It was 2-1. We got the winner in like the 77th minute or so. This goal was sweet. Great, great uh, goal. Long ball from our center back, Bill Tuiloma, uh, up to our forward. Just absolute rote one. It was uh, he was able to knock it back down, like basically from the end line, knock it back down to about the penalty spot where the onrushing midfielder uh, just smacked it home. Uh, I love near it. Well, corner, low. well struck. It was very, very, very well struck. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was a great goal because technically it's very difficult. It wasn't like a nice team goal or whatever. It was very route one, but uh, just a great goal for the winner. And then we could have had four or five goals, like really honestly, four or five goals to wrap it up. Couldn't put any of them away. Uh, and that made it a little tight at the end, but, uh, you know, a a win's a win. It was a rotated squad. Uh, we'll get spanked in the midweek by a a real team. Hmm. Um, but, uh, we'll take our three points on a rotated squad. I think that's okay for Portland. Mr. October scoring in May is, uh, is a big, or in April is a big deal. He's very confused. Yeah. He's confused. I mean, time is kind of meaningless right now, so it, that makes sense. <laughs> true, that's true. I also think anytime your team can score off of a, a cushion header, it's a good, it's a good sign. It's a good day. It's a great day. That is certainly true. Uh, Seattle get a one-one draw at LA. Mike, you had something to say about Seattle here, I think. No, Rui Diaz scored. So um, yeah, I mean, it's mostly just to apologize to Palmer for losing his money. <laughs> um, this was a pretty fun game. I mean, it was also I don't know if. LAFC, if they've got injuries, but there's no Novella, no Rossi in this game. Um, it was just, I don't know. It was a, it was the anti DC United Revolution game. It was just fun, just you know, attractive soccer to to be watched. Um, there was also a 
a goal under the uh, a free kick goal that was shot under the wall with nobody lying behind the wall, which I feel like just in this day and age is honestly kind of inexcusable. Uh, it's just like this isn't new. I mean, yes, you do look very silly, but somebody's got to be down there, and um, but that's worth a goal, yeah. But but yeah, this was this was a fun game, and just like yeah, two two pretty good looking clubs. Uh, New York City FC beat Cincinnati 5-0. Mike, trivia, please. Five goals, according to Twitter, all offset pieces. Never happened before. I think I know what FC Cincinnati will be working on in training <laughs> next week. Um, I mean, that is that is tough. I, you know, it's pretty bad. FC Cincinnati, is this their, their third year, their fourth year? And it's their third, right? They are not showing signs of being any less terrible. They got a great stadium. Uh, they do have a great stadium, but I don't know if anyone's going to want to watch games there because, yeah, they're they're pretty bad. Uh, I mean, it is interesting just looking at the standings now. Obviously, we're only kind of two games in, or some some teams have only had one game, uh, but no no team has has won their first two games yet. Uh, so just the the beauty of the closed parity 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 baby. This is what you can most have competitive your league teams. in the world. Just, just imagine Premier League all with the same kits, sponsored by the same company. Oh my God! It's magic! Yeah. It's magic, guys! It's, it's magic. The ma- Chef's it's the kiss. Magic. <laughs> Everyone with a different all cooler of- sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> get some, get some igloo uh, on on the front of the kit. Gotta have igloo. That's a good pull. I'm trying so hard to think of uh, Coleman. Of cooler. Coleman. Coleman. There it is. More good coolers. one. Boom. Oh, God. That's it. It's a three-team league. <laughs> Minnesota United RSL. Uh, Mike, Minis- here's the headline from MLSsoccer.com. Minnesota Fury at David Ochoa antics. Quote, he's a bit of a clown. I mean, your team's a bit of a clown, to be honest. Uh, if we talk about parity, there's only one team that's lost their first two games, and it's Minnesota United. Uh, they Yikes. just got absolutely smashed last week, and then this week they lost 2-1 at home, and then... Yeah, at the end, uh, Ochoa punted the ball into the supporter section. Um, you know, not in a malicious way. He was 30 or 40 yards away. He punted it very high. So, you know, it's not like he was trying to take anyone's head off. And uh, I love it. I mean, whatever. You're probably abusing, you know, verbally abusing the goalie for 45 minutes. Uh, and you can't take a single ball punted in the supporter section after Have your team loses this. at home. Just, yeah. I mean, you don't want that to happen. Either shut your mouth. Or your team better win. And uh, if not, that's just what you're going to get. And I mean, regardless of how good or not good Ochoa is, I mean, he seems to be a decent prospect. Uh, I don't know. I'm here for it. I want more of it. Uh, give me that Give me that personality. I feel like we know a lot more about Ochoa, which is that he's, a, he's probably a very competitive person. He's a fiery person. And that's, I don't know, that's, what, that's what you want, right? Yeah, give the personality maybe a little villain now for uh, Minnesota United. This is great. It's great. We like it. We love we love the drama. Give us some, uh, uh, you know, give us some more drama. Give us give us some um, narrative. I love a little narrative. How do you guys feel? So kind of after this happened, like the Minnesota United fans kind of came after him. You know, not like trying to take his head off, but like yelling at him. You know, doing the the finger in the face of you know. Love it. Outrage or faux outrage? You like that, Palmer? I mean, as long as it's um, oh my god, uh, as long as it's 
who's offside. Don't worry. Okay, I've, I've figured. Uh, as long as it's like <laughs> not like, you know, if if you're not crossing a line and it's just yelling, uh, it's great. It's drama. Like this is, I think you know they talk about um, the players like NBA when they're playing in stadiums that you know allow fans. Uh, love playing in front of fans because there is that kind of back and forth trash talk that happens. Um, the players like that. I, you know, it's if it crosses a line, it's really obnoxious, but it it's funny. I mean, I would be laughing at that ball being kicked into the into the stand. I think it was, yeah. it's a hilarious thing. So, MLSsoccer.com again says there was a post match fracas. As Heath and his players sought out Ochoa for a post-match word. Yeah, that's that's what I I just find that to be very very lame. Uh, like the I mean, this is great for Minnesota United. Now the storyline is like Ochoa instead of them just being absolute yeah. crap. Yeah, like they should just be going to apologize, go into the stands and get that ball back and be like, I'm sorry. For allowing uh, allowing us to get beat at home. I mean, listen, it's it's not. We saw last week uh, Schalke fans chasing down yeah. uh, players um, after they had been relegated from the Bundesliga. Uh, that's not a good look. That's that's a little too much. But yeah. a little back and forth. As long as we're it's not great. going two footed tackles into into stands, uh, you know, it's whatever. One footed tackle into the stands, okay though. I'll accept a one-footer. How about a little hacking in the stands? (laughs) Uh, Late-breaking news. Zach Steffen to God, EFL Cup champion. Yeah, shut out. Didn't have much to do. Did not have much to do. Uh, Manchester City, four Carabao Cups in a row. Too early to call him a dynasty? (laughs) (laughs) Pep the Carabao King. Yeah, that's what they brought him in for. <laughs> yep, there it is. Uh, Ryan Mason unable to secure that uh, trophy as the first twenty-nine-year-old manager in Premier League history. Spurs, Spurs remain trophyless. Uh, wasn't Mourinho's fault? Bring him back. <laughs> it was just the test. <laughs> Let's just put him on the bench for a week and see what happens. Uh, I'm here uh, for it. Yep. We're already pretty long, though, so Palmer, unless you really have something to say about that game, let's let it go. I mean, City kicked the shit out of us, so. Yeah, I think it looked like Lloris had, uh, what was Howard's save percentage in that, or oh. save number in that Belgium game? A lot, yeah. Lloris was busy. Lloris was right up there. And uh, Stefan was not, so. <laughs> yep. That's the stat you need to know. 1-0, not a bad result, all things considered. Yep, I'll take it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think we actually got Cliff editing this one too. So thank you, Cliff. Thanks, Thanks Cliff. Cliff. Love you, buddy. Nice. Nice to be back. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Let let Jill do her yard work. Big big fan of leaf blower. Man, that I tell you what, that felt so much better than last week when I had to do that. That was really good, Dan. I'll tell you what, ESPN equals greed. That's what it is. Palmer, you were on Burnley duty, especially if they're disrobed. You know what you're getting. Or, you know, just hitting balls uh, with, um, you know, high school teachers in Dubai. There you go. See? See? The money, the international fan money dried up this week. It dried up. Super League Thread Podcast, unless they pay us. I, I'm trying to reference all possible Colin Smith takes while he's not here to defend himself. What a coward. He couldn't even show up on this podcast. Coward. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't see any of this game. Great, great commentary. Spurs, Spurs remain trophyless. Uh, wasn't Mourinho's fault. Bring him back.